The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Esther Fleece was called to testify regarding her mentally ill father who abandoned her the year before. And um, in a moment, I really needed comfort. I really needed a defender myself. The judge looked at me and said, you need to suck it up. You need to answer the questions and you need to suck it up. And so as a 10-year-old girl, hearing that from a person in authority, I thought that that's what I was supposed to do with my pain. Ending the pretending with no more faking fine. Tell you what, it's, a, it's just a privilege to be able to share this time with you. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to life today. We have a one of the, uh, let's say, I, I don't know if student is the right uh, term, but one of the associates, one of the close friends uh, with Robbie Zacharias, whom I just respect beyond words. Robbie, if you're watching, love you. Thank God for you, your family, everything you do for the incredible uh, uh, Robbie Institute that's uh, been started there. You're uh, incredible training school. We have Esther Fleece. Now, I want you to look at this title of this book, No More Faking Fine. You remember you faked fine for a long time. As a church lady, mm -hmm. you were the ultimate well church lady. with that But uh, inside there was, you just faked yeah. a lot of stuff. Matter of fact, she didn't even really know the Lord. Yeah, so right. She had become a church member and then met Christ, came out of the choir to give her life to Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, Esther was doing some faking related to fine. And uh, would you welcome uh, with us, Esther, to like that? Oh, Esther, we love you. Thank you. And, and uh, I, I, you like Robbie, I suppose. Absolutely. He's a great teacher. And so are you. It's really an honor to be here with you. Well, uh, you put me in a, a level with Robbie. I'm good with it. What do you mean by no more faking fine? Tell me Tell me what set up this this title and, and you saying, I'm through with this. What, sure. what, is that, what did that mean? You know, I think so many of us say that we're fine when we're asked how we're doing, but especially in the church, I think yeah. I'm so grateful that you shared a yeah. little bit, Betty, of how you did that yeah. because I found myself at an early age adopted by the Lord um, and discipled in wonderful churches. And I read all the scripture about how God wanted me to rejoice always and always give thanks and never worry. But I missed out on all those invitations in scripture to come to him when I'm weary, to give him my burden, um, that he actually cares to hear me when I'm in distress. There's an invitation to go to him. And so this book is really birthed out of uh, a season of lament that I found myself in. And I never realized that God cared about my laments just as much as he cares about my accolades and achievements for him as well. All right. But you had some issues in the family. I did. Something led to this faking fine. Yes. What was it? You know, um, I was abandoned by both of my biological pa parents. Uh, my father had a mental illness and he left the family around nine, 10 years old. I was in the courts a lot testifying uh, as a character witness on several uh, trials and he was losing the business. Just very traumatic early childhood years. Uh, my mother ended up remarrying and that father shortly left uh, after having an affair and then my mother left me. So by the time I was 13, 14, 15, I really found myself alone and having to just make it on my own. I was never legally adopted. Um, I just lived with different families in the community and in the church. Uh, and because I didn't have parents that listened to my bad day at school, I didn't know that God cared about my bad days too. So. What happened, you refer to it in the book, 
where you actually were having to read from your diary yeah. as a little girl where you obviously recounted some things related to what was going on and you were pretty tearful. And what were the words that you heard? Sure, yeah, I was uh, 10 years old. I was testifying in a felony case. Uh, my biological parents were on opposite sides of the aisle. And of course, I was alone uh, before having to testify because they didn't want me to be influenced. Um, I walked down the aisle of the courtroom alone, sat up on the witness stand. I remember as a child, I wanted to appear strong. I remember thinking, don't cry. Don't let anyone see that you're upset. And I sat up there and my father's lawyer began taking my diary out of a plastic bag. Uh, it was used as evidence, Exhibit B, I still remember. And I was asked to start reading my diary. I broke down. I was just so embarrassed, so ashamed. And um, in a moment, I really needed comfort. I really needed a defender myself. The judge looked at me and said, you need to suck it up. You need to answer the questions and you need to suck it up. And so as a 10-year-old girl, hearing that from a person in authority, I thought that that's what I was supposed to do with my pain. I thought I was supposed to suck it up, not let people see me cry. And I lived really for the next 20 years and really misunderstood mm -hmm. God as a judge. When I heard God as a judge in scripture, I thought, well, he wants me to suck it up too. But God is a just judge, but not like the earthly judge I experienced. He doesn't so tell us to suck us up. Those words of suck it up yeah. cause you to start faking fine. Absolutely. That, that probably launched that journey, didn't it? sure it? did for a good 20 years. Well, I think a lot of people live in that situation, don't you, where especially Christians a lot of time, we, th we think, well, everything's supposed to be fine on the outside, and you're supposed to appear to have it all together, you yes. know, and not have any problems once you're a Christian, aren't you? Yes. You know, so, and a lot of times we put those expectations on ourselves. I know we I do. did, thinking I should be able to cope with anything that comes at me, yes. you know, and I should present myself as having it all together. Yes. And it's, I, yeah, and it's I, not that way. And I don't know where it happened in the church. We are supposed to be comfortable with boasting in our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You know, Christians should need God. Mm -hmm. right. And I don't know where we um, have gone away with that language of lament. And, and the Jewish people were great at lamenting and they lamented in community. So I'm hoping that this discussion brings back this language of lament that we see all throughout scriptures and that Christians should be the first ones to say there's something wrong. There's pain in this life. Yet there is a God who who not only listens to us in our distress, but bottles our tears when we cry. Wow. Now, when you decided that I'm not going to fake it, what, what led you to stop faking it and then move over into reality yeah. and really well, trust in you? You know, unfortunately, it wasn't just my deep spiritual walk. <laughs> it was actually more unfortunate circumstances. I, I was able, by God's grace, to study at wonderful places under wonderful people. I've worked for great Christian ministries and even the church, and I knew how to be an employee for God. I wasn't a very good daughter though. I didn't know how to sit and rest. And God allowed my biological father 19 years later um, to re-enter my life. And uh, he began stalking me. And um, I didn't understand why God was letting it happen. You know, I felt like I have checked suffering off my list. You know, I've forgiven him on a number of occasions. I've moved on. I've made this new life for myself. Why is this past revisiting? And so uh, that was when I really had uh, a crisis in faith. 
And I realized that some of my faith was wrong. I was almost holding on to a karma theology. Like if I do good for God, then good will happen to me. And I really missed out that suffering is a part of this life, that troubles are going to come to the most faithful people, to people that God loves. Um, and so it was during that crisis of faith that I found this language of lament that actually rescued my walk with God. So it's like you got honest. I got honest. You get totally honest with God. Yes. What happened when you did that? Well, it was so, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was actually seeing a counselor, which previously I thought that was like the last resort. Now I think only the strong go to counseling, right? It's hard to do. But I was seeing a counselor and he said, Esther, I want you to write out your laments to God, your complaints, uh, what is heart, heavy on your heart. And tomorrow you're going to come in and present those to me. You're going to share those with me. And I said, there is no way I'm going to complain to God. You know, he is the only one that stuck around for me. <laughs> I'm not going to be ungrateful. And sure enough, uh, I couldn't sleep. It was one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And I just started lamenting. I didn't even know what it was at the time, but I just said, God, will you ever be merciful to me again? Mm. Have I lost your favor? You know, will you ever be compassionate to me? You know, what did I do that I'm deserving this affliction? And all these laments kept coming out. And the number 77 came to my mind. And I, I you know, I, I majored in communication so that I don't have to take math. Like I'm not really, I don't <laughs> see numbers. The number 77 came to mind. And at that time, I'd only been able to read the book of Psalms. So that's all I knew to do. I went to the book of Psalms and I read Psalm 77. And every single lament that I cried out to God was in the Psalms. Wow. And what happened was God showed me that he doesn't tell me to suck it up when I lament to him. Mm. He actually draws near to me when I'm brokenhearted. He actually saved me again when I was crushed in spirit. He gave me a spirit and put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise, to thank him in my darkest time. And that's when I realized that my laments are just as precious to him than anything else. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was waiting for. It's what he was for waiting for. For you to for. really be revealed in the hurt and the pain yes. and, and the disappointment of him even. Yes, in life, you know? yes. Because he already knows anyway. Yeah. <laughs> One of the most beautiful pictures that I see in the Psalms is uh, he inclined his ear. Yeah. It's really the picture, and I uh, understood from those who understand, let's say, the graphic pictures in the Hebrew language, that there even seems to be an instance where Jesus is on the edge of a pit that you may have been thrown in, as Joseph was. Uh, you may have fallen in circumstances, or you may have dug it with your horrible lifestyle and practices and you find yourself in the mess that you made. And Jesus, uh, I see him, and I honestly in my own prayer time, just looking at his heart, I see him on his knees inclining his ear. It's like he's saying, just ask me. Mm -hmm. But I honestly believe that I see him leaning over so far. It's, it's kind of like the father of the prodigal. Mm -hmm. I don't think he just went outside and looked down the road. I don't think he just walked down the road a little way on some days. I think many times he went to the first bend in the road and looked down that bend. He might have even gone to another bend. I think that father was longing for him to come. And I see Jesus there on the edge of the pit inclining his ear, but I also feel like I see him reaching down yeah. and just saying, please reach up. I'll yeah. lift you up out of the pit. Yeah. I'll lift you up out of the pain. I want to. And if we could only understand how anxious he is mm. to lighten the load. And I think you experience that 
It's like when you got honest, you came clean, so to speak. You were willing to bear your soul and trust the Lord with it, the one you can totally trust. And you immediately experienced the blessing of him lightening the load yes. and brightening the day. It's as though he wiped away your tears right then. Yeah, and he was tender to me. You know, I think so many of us, we have we have maybe an early childhood memory of somebody that silenced our grief or silenced our pain. And so we're anticipating that God's going to do that, and he doesn't. He does lighten the load. It says in Psalm 145 that the Lord is good to all. And I used to think the Lord was not kind to me because my circumstances weren't kind, but it says the Lord is good to all and he is near to those who draw near to him in honesty. And that's what it took. It took me being honest to end the pretend, to take the mask off, to say, God, this is where I need you. This is where I don't understand why suffering and affliction are still hitting my life. How are you allowing this? Why are you allowing this? And that, that's also when I realized that God laments himself. And, you know, even before the program, you said, Father, we want to lighten your load. Hmm. And I think Brighten sometimes, his day. yes, sometimes we are just so busy taking our loads to him, but we forget, too, that he laments. And that's why we're to lament. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, God laments, and so we ought to be lamenting, too. We long to be restored to him. When you recently, your father died, hmm. what what was that like to you? What happened? <laughs> um well, you got to meet my wonderful husband here today. And, you know, I, it took me probably a good 10 years of healing and counseling to even be open to dating. Mm -hmm. And God brought the most wonderful, patient, godly man as my husband. And when I was at the height of love, if you will, we were on our honeymoon and uh, just couldn't believe that God would give me the gift of marriage. We found out that my biological father had died. And I tell you, it's still grief, it still grieves me. Um, grieves me for the relationship that I never had with him, that I never will have. Grieves me for other children who have broken relationships with their father. But you know what <laughs> the miracle was is that God gave me somebody to lament with. And not all the listeners out there are going to have a spouse to lament with, but I do believe that um, God has set up his church as a family and that he doesn't want us to lament alone. There will be seasons when we um, are in lonely seasons where we pray alone, but God does design and desire for us to lament in community. And God gave me the gift of a husband to lament the loss again, another loss again with my biological family, but not alone this time with my husband. And too many people are alone and really one reason the life today is here we don't want you to be alone mm -hmm. we, we want to bear the load that's why the prayer partners and they're very serious they take your concerns mm -hmm. very seriously throughout the program we've used the word lament and I know of course it's connected to to grief or, or sorrow or openness how do you define it I mean you know Ravi Zacharias teaches us uh, apologetics to be able to give a defense, a declaration, an explanation of why these things matter and why they're important to us. How do you define lament in your mind? What do you want the, the listener and the, and the one who reads, what do you want them to hear in that? Yeah, lament is a cry of your heart. It's, it's almost like the prayer you don't want anyone to know that you're praying. It's bearing your soul? It's bearing your soul. Totally it's open, totally open. honest. It, it's a, it defined as actually an expression of grief or heartache or anguish. But, you know, I also want the listeners to know it doesn't necessarily mean you go through the loss that I've experienced. I think every Christian is going to be lamenting here on earth. I think that it is part of our prayer time, um, even lamenting the sin that's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And so lament is an expression 
expression of grief, but I define it in the book as an expression of grief that God meets you in because I don't believe God ever turns away a lamenting prayer. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I could weep day and night for the slaying of the daughter of my people, Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. See, there is the right, a weeping prophet. Yeah. You will speak. You go and share. If viewers said, would you come and help us in our church or our group or our study, how would they communicate with you? What's the website? Yeah, my website's estherfleece.com, and I would love to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I do look at the scriptures, and I see lots of weeping prophets, and weep. And I just wonder, where are the weeping pastors now? <laughs> We've got to relearn this language of lament, and I would be so honored to go to churches and help share that message. I hope you'll get the book. It's in the bookstores. You might be able to get it on Esther Fleece on her website, but you could say, Esther, come speak to our group. And if she does, take care of her. We don't invite her in and say, well, they'll take care of you down the road. When she gets to you, she's down the road. You take care of her, all right? And you know, Esther, our viewers are the most wonderful people. You, you love to help. I've, I've never heard you push back. I've never heard you say, don't ask me to do that. It's, it's like you say, you mean we could help someone? We could save their life or give them a future or give them a clean drink of water? maybe the first they ever got, or are you telling us, James, that you can get kids out of sexual bondage in the sex traffic industry? Yes, and I want you to listen. I want you to listen beyond the words. I want you to look beyond the scenes and say, God, I can be the miracle that situation calls for. Watch, watch, listen, pray, become the hands of Jesus. Human trafficking. It's a multi-billion dollar industry where a trafficked girl can, in some cases, bring $200,000 a year to her owner. The crushing reality is almost two girls are trafficked, mostly children, for sexual exploitation every minute of the day. On this trip to Southeast Asia, I've seen the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Things that no mother ever wants to see. Children trafficked, dragged away from their homes, kept prisoner, trapped. But today, I've got to see the other side. I've got to see the great news. What happens when God's people move in and say, no, not on our watch. Here we are at this amazing life center. The children are singing, they're laughing, they're the way children should be. You know, we, we brought you these stories. We told you what happens in the streets of Southeast Asia with children who are just the most vulnerable of, of all. Kids who walk out into the back of a brothel and cry out into the night sky. Is there anybody out there who cares for me? If there is a God, can you see me? And because of our partners here who love God, who are listening to the Holy Spirit, they go in and they answer those cries and they deliver these children literally from the pit of hell and they bring them to green pastures. And they introduce them to a God who not only sees them, a God who knows their name, a God who has a plan for them, a God who has a future. The joy that I have seen today makes the darkness that I saw last night fade for just a moment. But there's a lot more need out there. We're gonna do a lot more. Our partners want to expand this.
Because the thing is, we're ministering to these kids. We're saying to them, you are a child of the King of Kings. And so we're going to restore all the broken places inside and introduce you to the one person who can transform everything, the one person who can take your darkest night and shine light into that, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. I, uh, I thank God, Sheila, for the way you communicate. And uh, Betty, just seeing the glimpses of that uh, Destiny House that uh, our viewers built, love built it, love through you. I mean, the yielded heart produces the helping hands and the willingness to give. When you see what love does and you see those beautiful young girls being trafficked, they're not happy, they're not excited. You know, one of the things that the porn producers try to do is make the girls or the women that are involved look like it's the most exciting, most fun thing in all the world. And they either convince or whatever, but it traps people. But there's there's no excitement on the part of these girls. I mean, they are truly in bondage. There's nothing there. And they, they're just being held captive and used uh, like, a, like a, a good to be disposed of and can cast aside and, and no care about. It's just awful. I mean, they are truly slaves that only love can set free. And what a blessing to know that we have the opportunity to reach out to these precious children and bring them out of this and give them a safe place to live and to grow up as children. And Sheila said children should be able to play and run about and have their friends and feel safe. But my heart just breaks because I can still hear the cries of some of them. They're crying out, will somebody help me? I know that every time when my children were growing up, if I heard them cry, I was immediately to their side to see what was wrong, where they were hurting, what was going on, and I was going to fix it real quick. Well, these children are crying, and nobody's hearing them. But those that care and love, and you've done this before. You've helped us before with these precious children. Please do it again. You hear the cries. They want someone to say, it'll be okay. There's hope out here. We're going to put loving arms that the mothers and fathers are no longer able to put around them. When we first, and I noticed Betty as we were showing the, the, the you know, the Destiny House and the center, we show only, like we showed someone playing a guitar, you couldn't see their face, show the children running, playing. Years ago, and I think I can go back maybe 10 years ago or when we first started there, you could see them singing and smiling. But what happened is we found out that if their faces were seen, they then become targets to be recaptured and taken away or they became an object, uh, a focus of attack to hurt them. And so it's so sad how evil this whole thing is. But the beauty, I wish you could just see their faces. So many of those little ones that we did see their faces, they're now teachers. They now have their own families. Uh, some of them are even college professors and they're doing a wonderful job. Many of them are providing not only for their family but also for the family they were taken away from because they've got a whole new life. We have right now committed to rescue 5,000 more right now from sex trafficking. It takes $128 to bring that rescue to pass, to rescue, to, to literally reach out, rescue them, and restore them. And we want to ask you to help us do that. Betty, I'm praying that every single person that's watching today will say, I'm going to rescue a child. Now think about this. We've got a $200,000 matching gift. You know what that means? That means that if you give to rescue a child $128, you just help rescue two because that gift's matched. 64 doubles to 128, which means at some level you can participate. 
I want you to think about something real important because this is a big challenge. $1,280 rescues 10. Could you do that? We want to send you the beautiful, beautiful Determined Eagle Bronze, one of the most beautiful, I believe, our ministries ever, ever presented. Determined to soar on the turbulence of our times and the challenges of the day. We're lifted by God as we lift others. That will now be doubled. That $1,280 doubled to take care of not 10, but 20. Would you make that gift? At whatever level you can come in, we're going to be sending you the book, Living Amazed, because what you're doing is amazing. The love and grace you share, it's amazing. We want to say thank you. Have a beautiful journal to offer to, to help you in your study and your journey with the Lord. Would you go online right now, take your bank card, make the gift God put on your heart? Or would you dial that number? Others have been calling for prayer. You call right now to be an answer to prayer, please. If you write a check, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're putting in the mail. Thank you for doing it. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to save children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore their lives and give them a future. And now a generous opportunity of a $200,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you James Robison's new book, Living Amazed, How Divine Encounters Can Change Your Life. As you read these inspiring stories, you'll learn how to live amazed in the presence of God 24 hours a day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll receive James' new book, along with the companion Amazed Journal, so you can record accounts in your own life where you are amazed at God's goodness. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children, and you may request our beautiful new Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. You know, I want to just say a big thank you, and I want to just thank God that Betty and I have, you know, recently celebrated our 54th wedding anniversary. And you know, one of the things that we see, we've, well, sad, it's a, it's a tough part of getting older. We've been to the funerals of a lot of our most precious friends. And one of the things we see about people as they get older, sometimes you look in and you see needs that need to be met. And you may wonder how you can. Well, let me tell you something. Estate planning can help you bless your family and help you give to extend the outreaches of the Lord all over the world. Uh, we have estate planning services that help you know how to bless your family and put God's arms around the world, even after we leave or as we get older. Give us an opportunity to help you, okay? Make that contact. If you would like to have Esther's book, No More Faking Fine, Along with the book, Living Amazed, you've helped us reach out to rescue and to restore. And you'd like to say, would you please send me this book? I think it'll really help me. Yes, we will, to say thanks, because we appreciate you. Would you join Betty and me saying thanks to Esther? Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're a beautiful witness for the Lord. I'm glad you got to find her. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
for helping us reach out to this precious children. God bless says, where is your faith? And I said, it's all in you. I mean, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.